They were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from tents, he saw two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Father, once again we come to you, we ask for the next few moments that you will give the physical strength and stamina, that you will give the clarity of heart and mind, but above all, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will do a work in hearts. And Lord, take the frailty of human speech and the idea of preaching. Uh, Lord, may that not be the focus of today. May the truth of Your Word be what ingrains upon our hearts, and may the work of Your Holy Spirit be that which stirs us. Lord, we ask that You would remove any kind of distraction or hindrance that there may be to keep Your work from being done according to what You would have done today. So guide and direct us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus had just come through the time that Satan had tempted him and was launching out into the first part, the early part of his ministry. And as he's getting ready to launch out, he's going to uh, surround himself with 12 men, some disciples. And we have read here an account of him calling some of them. And I want us to look at a couple of things and some lessons that we can learn from this, I believe, that will hopefully be a help to you this morning. The Bible tells us in verse number 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers, and they said unto them, Follow me. And he said unto them, Excuse me, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I want you to notice what is said in verse number 20. And the Bible says, And they straightway left their nets and followed him. In verse number 21, we find he meets two other brethren, James the son of Ze- and John the sons of Zebedee. Verse 22, he calls them, and the Bible says, And they, notice this, immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. If you're here today and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, God didn't, uh, didn't save you so that you could just sit and soak and sour. He uh, saved you so that you could be a testimony for Him and be a, 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 a witness for Him and to take the gospel, the most precious thing that God has to offer mankind is the gospel. And He has, believe it or not, entrusted that in the hands of humans. He's given that message to you and I to take and to give to all the world. God could have used anything He created to do this work. In fact, when He was coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, if you'll remember the account, how that they were uh, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were waving the palm branches. And some were being critical of that and said, you need to tell them to hold their peace. And you remember what Jesus told them? He said, if these hold their peace, 
the rocks would cry out. Before we start thinking too highly of ourselves, can I express to you this morning that God could have used anything in His creation to do His work, but He has given you and I the wonderful privilege to be used by Him in His service. He calls these men to be His disciples, to follow after Him, and He's going to teach them and train them for a little over three years. And then He's going to send them out to do the work that you and I also have been commanded to do, and that is to take the gospel message and to preach it to those who have never heard. And God has a purpose for every one of you. I love in Jeremiah chapter number 17 in Psalm 1 where it talks about the fact that the blessed man is a man who is planted by God. He's put there for a purpose. And God just has a purpose for every single one of us. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 says, Wherefore we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God puts a plan, a plan in, in place right before our eyes. You say, well, what is that, that plan? What is that place? Well, as we know His will and we follow His Word, God reveals it to us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It will guide and direct us in the path that God has for us. But as Jesus comes along the Sea of Galilee... And He calls these men. I think there's a lesson to be learned in two of these accounts. As He calls them, and the Bible tells us first, straightway, and then secondly, it says, immediately. These men didn't have to uh, have any kind of reservation and say, well, uh, Lord, I'm just going to have to pray about that. I'm reminded, I preached a message a number of years ago on the time not to pray. And I know before you get uh, thinking I'm preaching heresy, I know the Bible says pray without ceasing. But I'm reminded of the story of Moses when the children of Israel were backed up against the sea of uh, the Red Sea and the, the Egyptians were coming after them. And uh, the, the children of Israel complained to Moses and said, You brought us out here to be killed. <clears throat> and Moses told him, he said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You remember the story? And then what did Moses do? After he stood before the people and said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know what he did? He went back in his room and started praying. He was a little nervous. He was pretty confident in front of the people. But then he comes to God and he's like, God, what are we going to do? And God says, Why are you here? Basically. He said, Go forward. In other words, you already know Moses. I'm already here with you. My presence is here. It's not time to pray. It's time to obey. It's time to do what I've asked you to do. And sometimes God makes His plan, His will for our lives very evident and very plain. And our answer to Him oftentimes is, I need to pray about that. When God has given it to us to do, and we already know it to be His calling on our life, we need to be as these men saying, Lord, I'm ready right now. No reservations. No hesitation at all. I'm reminded of the story years ago of William Borden. Some of you may have heard the story before. William Borden uh, was a young man who was heir to the great Borden fortune. Very, very wealthy fellow, very well educated, and uh, went to <clears throat> the finest schools. In his early 20s, he uh, got burdened for missions, especially Muslims over in China. And uh, he uh, graduated from uh, college, and he made it apparent, he made it clear, he said, I believe God's wanting me to be a missionary to China. 
And uh, many of his family, many of his friends were critical of him. In fact, his family came so far as to say, if you do this, if you go through with it, then you will get no inheritance from us, and you will lose all that you stand to gain. And William Borden, at that point in his life, had a decision to make. And he chose to follow after what God had for him to do. And so he says, I don't care what you guys say, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a missionary on the mission field. And he opened his Bible and he wrote two words in the front of his Bible. He put, no reserve. He was not going to hold anything back. Everything that he had was going to be for the Lord. It didn't matter if he lost his fortune. He didn't care. He wanted to do what the Lord had for him to do. He began to study a little bit and he got a trip together and was going to head over to China. And on the way, he decided to stop off in Egypt and to study the Arabic language so that he could uh, better communicate when he got to China. And while he was there, he contracted spinal meningitis. He was in his early 20s, around probably 24, I believe, at this time, maybe 25, early 25. And he was deathly sick, very, very sick. And laying there, he put no retreat. The doctors had said if he would go back to America and get better treatment, there was a good chance he would, he would uh, spare his life. And he said, no retreat. And he wrote those two words underneath no reserve in his Bible. Finally, as his sickness grew worse and the doctors came to him very near to the end and said, William, we've done all we could. There's nothing more that can be done. He opened his Bible and with a weak hand wrote the last two words, no regrets. And he died having never made it to the mission field. A lot of people have looked at that story over the years and said, what a waste. Here's a young man who gave up everything and ended up dying and he never even made it to the mission field. How in the world could that have been God's plan? And yet there are tens of hundreds or hundreds and thousands of missionaries today that are on the mission field that were inspired by a young man by the name of William Borden who said he didn't make it to the mission field, but Lord, if you need someone to go, I'll go. And without reservation, without hesitation, with no regrets, William Borden said, Lord, you have all of me. You know, one of the greatest battles that you and I face in our life is surrendering of all of our will. We don't have a problem usually surrendering the parts that we're willing to surrender. In fact, there's some of the wills that we kind of want God to take. Those are the parts that we've kind of made a mess of in our life. Lord, I've done it this way for so long and I've made a mess. Can you please take over now and make it better? But oh, that we would get to the place where we would say, Lord, no reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. Here these disciples were called. The Bible says straightway. They did it without hesitation. I want you to notice the Bible says in verse number 18, or verse number, uh, verse number 20, excuse me. The Bible says, and they straightway left their nets. That's a pretty interesting statement. They left their nets. Now notice in verse 18 what they were doing. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. This was their work. I will tell you this, I remember as a young man, uh, a friend of mine that had a small cast net with all the weights around the edge of it, and we were catching some bait fish one day, and he was showing me how to throw it. I'm going to tell you, there's some work involved in that. It's heavy. It's not a light thing to do. 
And then when you do get a draw to fish, it's heavy to pull it out, and there's some labor involved in this. And here these men are working, and while they're working, Jesus calls them. Can you imagine this? You're in the middle of uh, throwing the nets out. You're in the middle of throwing these things and catching fish, casting their nets into the sea. And Jesus says, follow me. And they didn't say, okay, Lord, we got to uh, give us a few hours and we'll get this all wrapped up here so we can come back to it. No, it says straightway they left their nets. They followed Him. Notice what else it says in verse 22 when He comes to James and John, the sons of Zebedee, when it says, and immediately, notice this, it says they left their ship. The ship was a valuable possession for a fisherman. In fact, you could say it was the, the entirety of their livelihood. It's a thing that they owned, that they put their money into, that they had invested in, that they would worked for and labored for. They left their ship, and notice it says, and their father, and followed him. There's three things, I think, that we see that they've left. They've left their work, they've left their possessions, and they have left their family to follow the Lord. What is it that keeps us from serving God the way that we should? What is it that has such a hold on our life that we're not willing to say, as Isaiah did, when, when God said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. What is it that, that holds us back from that? What is it that has such a grasp of our affection? What is it that has such a grasp of our interest in our hearts that we're not willing to say, Lord, You have all of it? I was reading this week the story of David when he had numbered Israel. And God brought judgment on them and He gave David three choices of punishment. And David chose to suffer the hand of the Lord for three days, the pestilence of the Lord. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came over Israel and with a sword outstretched, had slain 70,000 men of Israel. David was walking up the side of Mount Moriah, and he comes to the threshing floor of a man by the name of Ornan. And while there, he cries out to the Lord, and God stops the angel of the Lord as he's hovering over Jerusalem, on Mount Moriah looking over Jerusalem, the angel of the Lord is there, and between heaven and earth, and his sword is outstretched. Could you imagine seeing such a sight? And God stops his judgment. He says, It is enough. And David goes to Ornan, and he asks for Ornan to provide instruments for uh, the, the uh, sacrifice so he can make a sacrifice to the Lord. And Ornan, he said, he said Let me have the oxen, let me have the instruments. Nornan offered it all to David, and he said this statement. He said, I give it all. Without reservation. Oh, that we could have such a spirit. Lord, if You want me, if You need me to do Your work, if You have chosen to have me do Your work in this world, then You have all of me. Every moment of every day every affection in my heart. What is it that holds us? What is it that has a grip on us? What is it that keeps us from serving Him the way that we should? These men left their nets in the middle of their work. They laid them down and walked away and followed Him. 
James and John, they left their boat. They left their father. I'm not saying you have to neglect your families. But all that we would have an absolute surrender of our will to serving Him. Then I want you to notice, not only did they do it immediately and straightway, without reservation, without hesitation. Not only were they willing to give up their material things, their 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 work and their families, and to go and to, to, to do what God had called them to do, but I want you to notice in verse 20, the Bible says that they straightway left their nets, and I love this, and followed Him. And followed Him. Notice in verse 22, it says, And immediately they left the ship and their father, and here's those words again, and followed Him. You know, I've met people before. In fact, there's been times in my life I feel like maybe even I have done this. That I have been willing to give up some things. And I have been willing to, to, to say, Lord, I want to serve You with my life. But then I wanted to serve God on my terms. And I wanted to serve God in the place that I wanted to serve. And I wanted to serve God in the, play, in the way that I wanted to serve Him. But to come to Him and say, Lord, I have no will of my own in the matter. I simply want to follow You. I want to follow Your steps. I want us to look at several passages of Scripture. If you have your Bible, Sandy, turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. <coughs> and verse number, five, uh, verse number 3, excuse me. 1 John chapter number 2. Back up. I'm going to start from the beginning of the chapter. It's good to read these things. My little children, and again, John is not writing to youthful people. He's speaking here of those that were young in the faith. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. Oh, aren't we so glad of that? And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we what? Keep His commandments. Some people would say, well, how do I follow Him? Well, He's given us a whole book of guidelines. He's given us a whole book that tells us His will. And we are to follow Him by obeying His Word. It's that simple. It is not complicated. And so when we come to 1 John, John says this in verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know Him. This is one of the signs of someone who truly knows God as their Savior, who has a walk with God, who has a relationship with God. This is one of the signs that is produced. We keep His commandments. We follow Him. Look with me just a few pages over John, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter number 5, once again, we'll begin reading verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him, that begat, loveth Him also, that is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God, and keep His what? His what? For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Now, I want you to notice this. For the Christian, we can truly say this. There's a colon there. 
And when there's a colon, it's saying we're going to magnify this next statement. We're using the preceding statement to lay a foundation to bring out the, the, the this is the pinnacle, this is the grand finale of the truth. And this is what this colon does for us here in verse number 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, colon, and His commandments are not what? Grievous. You ever notice the more you love God, the less hard it is to follow His Word? You notice that the more we tend to walk and, and commune with Him and have a close relationship and love for Him day in and day out, the more we want and long to know His will and His Word and to obey it. Why? Because when we love somebody, His commands are not grievous. I remember as a kid, growing up, my mom and dad were pretty strict parents. And I had to obey. And if I didn't obey, I got a belt. And for a long time, when I was a young person growing up, my obedience was because I feared mom and dad. By the way, I still my dad's going on to heaven now. I guess I still fear him, maybe. I guess I do still fear my mama. Because I'll tell you, she did not have as good aim as Dad did. And I do still fear her. And she does not she does not ever hesitate to let me know that I am not too old for her to turn me over her knee. And she tells me on a regular basis. But you know, there came a point in my life where I used to obey because I knew if I didn't I was going to get in trouble. You know, there came a time, and I don't know when it happened, but there, there was a moment that it happened. that I began to obey my mom and dad, not because I was afraid of getting in trouble with them, but because I loved them. And all of a sudden, the things they asked of me to do were things that I longed to do. My mom, when I go home, is so careful to even mention things that she needs done. Well, not too much. Sometimes she does mention them. But she knows that as soon as she even mentions it, I'm going to go do my best to try to fix it. Not because I'm afraid she's going to whip me if I don't, but because they're not grievous to me. I love her. And because I love her, I want to do those things that will please her and help her. And oh, that our relationship with God could be such. Yes, I understand there ought to be a fear of God that helps us to keep from our sin that we do. We spoke of that in Sunday school this morning. But oh, wouldn't it be such a wonderful thing if we read the commands of God in Scripture and we don't grudgingly do them. We do them because they're no longer grievous to our hearts. We long to do it because we love Him. They followed Him. I don't think they stomped away. Well, if we must, I guess I'll come follow you. No, no. There was an absolute surrender and a willingness there. Oh, that we can learn to follow God the same way. That we could follow Him according to His Word and that these commands that we find in Scripture would not be grievous to us. Look with me in the Gospel of John. Back in the beginning of your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospel of John, chapter number 14.
John chapter number 14. Jesus is preaching here. And He says in verse number 15, He says, If ye love Me, what? Keep My commandments. Why? Because obedience to His commandments not only illustrate our reverence and our fear for God, but it also so vividly pictures our love for Him. If you love Me, keep My commandments. Shortly after, as He continues to preach in chapter number 15, notice in verse number 10, chapter 15 of John, in verse number 10, If ye keep My commandments, ye shall abide in My love, even as I have kept My Father's commandments, and abide in His love. It's not just a one-time obedience, but it is an ongoing desire to be obedient to Him. That I not just love Him at a moment in time, but that I abide in this love. That it is something that I long for. Three things that these disciples did that I think are so vividly important for you and I. When God called and put a purpose on their life, they were fishers, and He told them, If you follow Me, I will make you fishers of men. And He put a calling on their life. He put a plan in place. He said, This is what I want you to do. I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I want you to fish for men. The Bible says that they immediately, straightway, no regrets, no hesitation, no longing. I wonder, are we willing to give our will to God that way? By the way, these were just plain old ordinary fishermen. In fact, it's amazing how many times throughout the next three and a half years, Jesus looks at them and says, O ye of little faith. Sometimes I think we get in our minds that these men were extraordinary men and men that were super spiritual, and I could never attain to such things. No, no. These were common sinners just like you and I. The difference was they were willing immediately, straightway, to follow Him. They were willing to give up whatever was necessary, whether it was their work, whether it was their possessions, whether it was their families. They were willing to follow Him. They're willing to do what God commanded them to do without reservation. What is it that hinders us? What is it that has such a hold on our hearts that we are not willing to give it up and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. 100% of who I am, my affections, my desires, my interests, Or do you have them all? What is it that hinders us? What is it that holds us back? Let's stand together, shall we? With heads bowed, please. The message is very simple this morning. Does it require lengthy preaching? Just a simple question. Is there anything that is hindering us today? Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe we're angry or bitter at someone. Maybe it's some of our affections. 
maybe some of our interests and things 